Hi, this is Robert Helms, and thanks for listening to the Real Estate Guys podcast. Hey, do me a favor. Take a quick moment to give us some feedback on our iTunes page. We'd really love to know what you think. Thanks so much. Now, on with the show. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program, the last show of the year, and we're going to talk about getting started in real estate investing for the first, second, or even third time. This is the Real Estate Guys radio network. Feeling outgunned when dueling through loan mod negotiations with your lender? Discover the underwater borrower's secret weapon and how you can make your loan modification your lender's idea. Get the special report by consumer advocate Martin Andelman. Send your request to analyze this at realestateguysradio.com. Don't go into your loan mod battle unarmed. Get the free report. Send your email to analyze this at realestateguysradio.com or visit the special reports page under resources at realestateguysradio.com. This podcast is brought to you by audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash realestateguys. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Happy holidays. It is right in the middle of uh, the last week of the year, and we're happy to have you along. Let's meet our co-host, financial strategist, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. Ho, ho, ho. How are you? Good. Happy to be here. Well, I know this is one of your favorite times of the year, and mine too, not just because of the holiday season, which has been quite merry, but because it's a new year coming up. It's a chance to start over. And we thought what we'd do for the last show of the year is talk about getting started in real estate investing. And and that's for two reasons. First of all, it is a new year. It's wiping the slate clean. It's a chance to start over. But secondly, we'd like to welcome a whole bunch of new listeners who uh, just recently received iPods or iPads or iPhones or some sort of MP3 player and are now listening to, to our show. It is opening up a whole new world. It did for us when we uh, started our podcast. And uh, so it's been a lot of fun watching people from all over the world discover real estate and discover the real estate guys. It is just an abundant supply of knowledge and information, relationships, a lot of fun stuff. So uh, we're excited for you to be a part of it. And we thought it would make sense to talk about what it takes to get started in real estate investing. Because real estate investing is a thing that I think is going to be attracting a lot of people uh, here coming up. There's a lot of conditions out there in the marketplace that uh, are pointing towards a good run for real estate over the next uh, decade or so. And it may not seem like it right now, and that's always the way it is, right? The people who are watching the waves or paying attention begin to see the signs of life sooner, and they move in and position themselves. And we're hoping that because you're here listening to the show, you're going to be among that crowd. Absolutely. And this is a great time, I think, uh, to get started in real estate investing. A lot of the ugliness has worked its way out of the market. There's great inventory available. Uh, it's a it's a price reset in a lot of marketplaces. I was just looking uh, at information a few weeks back on a market where the median home price for existing homes was now within $200 of the median home sales price in 1996. Right. That's a big reset. So if you missed the run-up, if you missed the wave, well, you really haven't. Uh, There's opportunity uh, still today. Now, for those of you old-timers that have been in uh, the real estate game for quite some time, guess what? The rules have changed, and the game has changed, and a lot of the tools that we have are either drastically different or completely eliminated from our toolbox, and so that is time for a reset. So we really don't want the topic of real estate investing to be so daunting that you think you have to read textbook after textbook to understand it, you can start from where you're at and devise a plan to have it just create a nice little passive income or to create a mammoth retirement or gangster money. Whatever you want is available when it comes to real estate investing. Yeah, I think the first thing is really just getting your mind around the idea, why real estate and why now? Uh, because once you get excited about understanding why, as a financial tool, real estate can is really well suited to producing a predictable financial result if it's structured properly, then that can be very motivating. And then the, after you've gotten that motivation part in place, then you can go through the process of figuring out, okay, how do I put the pieces of the puzzle together? So right now, what we're looking at, Robert, to your point, you've got real estate prices that have somewhat reset. I'd be curious, and I don't know the answer for that particular market, if rents rolled back as far as prices did. 
What we have been seeing is interest rates are extremely low, which means that it's possible if you have good credit to be able to go get a piece of property with an extremely low cost of funds. And that's a huge advantage. Normally when that happens, prices are moving up because of the abundant supply of money. But that's not the case right now. And the problem is that the distribution system of getting money from source to marketplace isn't quite working right yet. We've had a lot of the way private money and mortgage banking and mortgage brokers and the way the whole system of distribution work has kind of been gutted a little bit. And so for the last two, three years, that's been being rebuilt. And it's not done yet. Uh, you've got banks that are skittish to lend. You've got people who are buying debt securities that normally provide that funding have been gravitating towards government securities rather than mortgage-backed securities. And so there's a broken trust, just like back in the day when the corporate bonds fell out of favor. Well, they're coming back. You know, people, they, they've forgotten about the Enron and the Arthur Anderson, and they're starting to say, hey, I need to get some yields that are better than these low treasuries, so I, I need to go branch out and find some other things. So you've got, you've got that abundant supply of money. You've got, of course, a larger pool of people coming in to the rental pool because people have lost properties through foreclosure. They uh, had a long-term unemployment and their credit got ruined and now they're employed again and they've got income and they can pay rent, but they can't qualify for a mortgage. And so those are prospective customers for you to accumulate a cash flow. And of course, we've got the big rollback with the foreclosures, uh, driving prices artificially low. Uh, well, that inventory gets cleaned up for probably the next two or three years. We see a real opportunity where you've got a, a growing population of renters, low interest rates, uh, stable rents and, and prices that make the numbers work in markets that really have a good supply-demand imbalance for the long term. So that's kind of the big picture on why why real estate, why now. And the great news for those of you that are getting started is we don't think this is a two- or three-month window. This is a couple of years. We're right. still early. You're early back into the market. Real estate is not yet back in favor. As you were hanging out with friends and relatives over the holiday seasons, if you were talking about real estate, many of the answers you got back were not necessarily favorable. Right? But, oh, man, real estate, yeah, it's terrible. That's wonderful. That means that the rest of the world doesn't see it yet. When we had the big run-up in 03 and 04 and 05, everybody and their dog was investing in real estate, and it made it very difficult on so many levels. Just the professional services were backed up. It was hard to get a, a attention from somebody. It was really a very hard time to be in the real estate business. Today, you're ahead of the curve. Now, that's not going to last forever, but we think you've got a couple of solid years to be able to get your mind right, to be able to get your education, and to be able to get your team together. And those are the things we're going to talk about today. The, the first idea, Brian Tracy says, if you want to earn more, you have to learn more. This is a knowledge-based economy that we're in, and real estate may be new to you. Now, maybe you own a home or maybe you've been down the investment path before. But again, because of the things Russ has talked about with uh, who is supplying the mortgage money has changed so much and because the types of programs that are available and, and even what's happened uh, in the tactical real estate level, it's a different ballgame. So your first mission is to get educated and to make sure that you understand the game you're in. It is easy for the novice to get fleeced in this business. Yeah. Unfortunately, there are people out there who will take advantage of you, whether it is $10,000 weekend boot camps or trying to shuffle you into a property property without proper due diligence or market analysis, whatever it is. And, and unfortunately, when those experiences happen, it reflects poorly on our entire industry. I think the first fundamental really, I mean, obviously education, very, very important because education precedes action or should. And the, the next thing is really learning how to manage your emotions as an investor because fear will keep you from taking action when you should and greed will cause you to take action when you shouldn't. Right. And a lot of these marketing guys are very good at the manipulative sell because they tell you a lot of things that are true. They show you a lot of success stories. And you know what? There's a, really a lot of good content. I mean, when I used to go to those seminars, I learned a lot of very useful things. So that wasn't the bad part. The bad part was, was having to make a decision right now before I had a chance to think about it and the pressure that was put on you to do that and the appeal that was made to the greed and the scarcity to force you into a situation where you leapt before you thought. And you don't want to do that. So learning how to control your emotions on both sides of the equation. I mean, if you're brand new getting into real estate, you're going to have to swim upstream against popular opinion. Well, good for you. I mean, think about the people who, the stock market. There are people who bought into the stock market when it was 6000 in March of 2009, and now they look pretty smart, right? There are people that have waited and waited and waited until the stock market proves itself, and they get in high and 
And meanwhile, the people who got in low, that's when they get out. So you have to decide which end of the herd you want to be on. So it takes some emotional courage to be a little bit on the front end. But the more educated you are, the more able you are to be confident that, hey, I I can see the facts. I understand the rationale behind uh, why this is a good investment. I see how it fits me and what I'm trying to accomplish. I understand the risks. I got my professional team in place, and I'm ready to take action. But see, that is all, everything you just said is left-brained, right? That is all the logical part of it. But how you started this particular train of thought, I think, is crucial, and that is to manage your right brain, the emotional side right. of it. And the reason that this is important is for most people, the way that they have learned to use and acquire real estate is emotional. Where you live, whether you're renting or whether you're owning, that's a very emotional topic Oh, to honey, you. I really like this. I really like that. But we can't move because this is where we raised our babies. Right, right. All that stuff. And that's fine for your residents. You have to learn to view investment real estate differently from a psychological and emotional perspective. It doesn't matter what color the carpeting is. It doesn't matter which way the sun comes into the windows. What matters are the numbers and the sustainable drivers in the marketplace. And so it takes a little bit of effort to disconnect yourself from this. I remember we were on a a field trip recently and uh, we had one gentleman who just couldn't get his mind around a particular neighborhood we were looking at where financially it made a ton of sense and we thought there was great opportunity. And he kept coming back to, well, I wouldn't live here. Well, you don't have to. Live right. where you want to live You're and invest where numbers market. make sense. Right. You're exactly. not the person. So I, I think it's important that you understand early on that your emotions can fail you and, and actually cause challenges. And it's the same thing on the sales side. You get all worked up into a frenzy with some fast-talking salesperson and, and watch out. So this is why in the quiet of this last few days of the year or the starting of a new year, you can sit down and really figure it out. And the first thing, as we say, is to get in touch with your inner investor. Mm-hmm. Figure out why it is that you want real estate. What is that for you? It's probably not because you are interested in in old buildings that smell funny. You probably are after it for the financial return and the peace of mind and the future that you're going to have because of getting into the market now. And so that's what you really have to get in touch with. But it can't be dollars and cents. People that are 100% dollar driven rarely succeed unless they can connect the dots between what they want the money to do for them. Yeah, you've got to enjoy the subject matter or you won't be uh, motivated to study. So let your emotion uh, motivate you not to buy, but let your emotions motivate you to learn and to study and to do the math and all the things that you have to do and put yourself in an environment to be successful. And then it's a matter of learning how to look at the, the subject matter and be a continuous student. You know, most people who are professionals like doctors and lawyers, they call their business practice. You think, well, I don't want them practicing on me. But the reality is what they're saying is, I've never arrived. I'm always learning. There's always something new. And that's the first attitude that you, that you need to have in real estate. There is nobody that has mastered this thing. I mean, one of the things we talked about with it being your first, second, or third time, there are people who are listening to this that have never owned any investment in real estate that are potentially falling in love with the concept of owning real estate and developing passive income and letting other people pay off your debt and build your asset base over you know, 20, 30 years for the very first time. There's other people that have ventured out the last time and they were part of the herd and it was an emotional thing that they did and they got in without really understanding the math, without really doing the work and maybe they didn't really want to put the study in. They thought it was just easy money and that's one of the the things. If a guru ever tells you it's easy, he's lying to you because it isn't easy. But the thing that everybody should be telling you is it's worth it. It's worth it because there are very few, if any, financial vehicles that the average person can get involved in that can produce the kind of predictable, dramatic results that real estate can, especially over the long haul. I mean, you get so many factors working for you. And you probably notice we have some energy on this topic. I tell you what, I'm convinced that there's a lot of folks who, you know, just got into some property by default or by accident in the heyday and ended up biting them for some reason. And if they had a, had a chance to go through this process they probably be in a very different place today. It's amazing as we look out there and look at real estate investors, some of which have thrown up their hands and said, well, real estate doesn't work. And others have said, wow, what an amazing university degree in real estate I've gotten in the last couple of years. So perspective is huge. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the things you can do to get started if you're brand new. And we'll touch on some of the things you can do to re-engage if you've already been down the path. This is the Real Estate Guys Radio Network. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Live nationwide, you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. 
The Real Estate Guys podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of The Real Estate Guys, Audible's offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. Hey, an audiobook we really like is called The Advanced Guide to Real Estate. Identify the hottest markets and secure the best deals by Rich Dad advisor Ken McElroy. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash real estate guys. That's audiblepodcast.com forward slash real estate guys. Hello, this is Robert Kiyosaki. I'm the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And if you're serious about learning how to invest in real estate, listen to the real estate guys. They really know what they're talking about. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning in as we wrap up the year 2010. It's a time to start putting our focus towards a new year. Next week on the show, we'll talk about goal setting, a super important part of your personal investment philosophy and getting your head in the right place. What we're really discussing this week is getting started in real estate investing or even taking the approach that uh, you're getting started if you've been there before. Uh, one of my mentors, Walter Sanford, in the real estate sales industry wrote a great book called If I Were starting over today, the things that he would do if he was brand new in real estate, even though he's been practicing for over a quarter of a century, if he was brand new, here's what he would be doing today. And that's really the approach we're taking with today's show. You know, I used to teach a class uh, in Sunday school to a bunch of 11-year-olds. And what I would do is I would take uh, pieces of uh, construction paper and I would write the typical things that teenagers get in trouble doing. And I would take those things and, and turn them upside down. And then and then there were some good things that happened too, because life is full of good things and bad things, good decisions and bad decisions. And I'd turn them upside down. And their job was to walk through the, this minefield that I laid out to get from, from the beginning of their teenage years to the end of their teenage years. And when they would step on something, they would turn it over and find out what it was. Well, the first person through typically had the worst experience because they made the most mistakes. They right. had zero visibility. And then I showed the kids, well, if you're the second person to go through and you could see that other person's experiences, then you actually were better off for that person having paid the price. And it was the person who not necessarily made it through the landmine alive as much as the person who actually stepped on the things and knew where the problems were that could give you the best advice. And so that's one of the things that uh, it can be very helpful if you allow it to be a lesson because sometimes you take it personally. You just want to sweep it under the rug. Oh, I had this problem. I had that problem. And again, that comes back to your emotions and not not getting personal. You don't get personal with the property. You're looking for it to produce a financial result. Uh, you don't get personal with the experience. It's it's an experiment. I'm practicing. I'm going to try this and see how it works. If that doesn't work, I'm going to make an adjustment. That's why you don't put all your eggs in one basket. That's why you don't bet the farm on any one investment. Uh, that's why you have to stay within your risk tolerance, which is partly what you can handle emotionally where you don't lose control of your rational thinking. And the other part of it, what can you handle financially? I mean, what what would be game over for you versus what could you, if it did turn out to not go the way you hope, and then learning the discipline of having a plan A, because we always hope things are going to go away the, the way they're supposed to, but also learning to have multiple exit strategies. You know, one of the adages is don't ever go in the entrance until you know the exit. And multiple exits at that. You're going to have your primary objective when you acquire a property, maybe to buy and hold it forever, maybe Maybe to turn around, add value, and sell. But whatever it is, you better not just have one exit door. Well, where a lot of people get messed up is they buy a property with the notion that they're going to flip it, and they don't have any ability to hold it long term if the market turns on them. And then all of a sudden, the financing they were counting on or the appreciation they were counting on, uh, the buyer doesn't show up. If something goes sideways, and they don't have staying power. You know, we learned from Ken McElroy, who says, look, sometimes we go in and we build an apartment building, and our plan is to build the apartment building and sell it. But we also build it in such a way that the numbers make sense. If we held it, had to hold it for 10 years, we would be perfectly happy to do that too. That's, that's a good plan A and a good plan B. And so you want to have that in mind as you're approaching real estate. Uh, you expect things to go well, but you're prepared for them not to. And that's really getting back to the, the basics of, of real estate is understanding that there is no one-size-fits-all and there is no guarantee it's not necessarily going to work out like you hoped it will. And so you need to have these backup plans and also be able to get through it uh, mentally when things do go wrong, right? If, if you get four hits out of every 10 in baseball, you're in the Hall of Fame, meaning six times you got out. 
in real estate, that's about the same. For every four great deals that you find, there's probably six that are not going to do well. So don't do one or two. Do 10 or 20 or 100 so that you get to averages working in, in your favor because the ones that do well can often make up for many of the ones that didn't. Or it's also very common in real estate that we spend a lot of time, effort, energy, and money looking at a deal that we walk from. And sometimes that's the smartest decision. Don't get yourself talked into, well, I've already spent all the money on the inspections and my flight out there and all that. I might as well just get the property. Absolutely not. Some of the best money you ever spend is walking away uh, from a deal. Now, if you're the kind of person that has already been through real estate a few times, we want to make sure we address this idea of zero-based thinking. Knowing what I now know, how would I approach the game again? Because you have learned some great lessons. And no matter what that is for you, we're going to share some of the things that we think make sense, whether you're starting out brand new or you've been through it and now you're going to make some changes. So here's here's some of the, the nuggets. First of all, cash flow is king. You need to make sure that you can hang on to the property. Now, people that have read our book, Equity Happens, know that uh, we are definitely equity investors, meaning that we want to acquire more and more property that goes up in value over time. But the only way you hang on to that property long term is to make sure you control the cash flow. Yeah, and I think there's a couple of things on that that's really important because so many people misunderstand the equity message. Really, in, in basic financial planning a strategy. The idea is that you want to accumulate net worth uh, in your early years and then convert that to cash flow in your later years. Net worth does not make you rich. Net worth is not spendable money. So if you're looking at your stock market, your 401k, even your home equity or your real estate equity and going, well, because of the price currently in the current market, I'm rich but you're not generating cash flow, you're not rich. You're in a position to be rich, but you're not rich. When you become rich is later in life when you convert all that equity into cash flow that you can really spend because spendable money that you can really use makes you rich. So if everybody out there who's rich on equity were to sell, then the prices would drop and everybody that didn't would lose. And that's a hard concept to get your mind around. So when we talk about the notion of equity investing, we're saying, look, most people are working day jobs. And so they have cash flow from their work. Now, their goal is to replace that with passive income down the road. Eventually. So the idea is, how do I do that the most effectively? Well, if you try to build up equity through cash flows, which is called going to work, paying your taxes, living below your means, saving money, and then trying to put that up someplace and out-earn inflation – that's an uphill swim. Now, if you can aggregate other people's cash flows and use other people's money to control investments that are going to go up in value as a result of inflation over time, uh, that's called a good plan. And that's what real estate gives you a chance to do. But if you've got a bunch of equity and a bunch of cash flow that's servicing mortgages, you're in a position to be rich. But again, you're not rich yet. And so just really understand that the purpose of investing early is to accumulate net worth and then Converting it into cash flows later is where you arrive at rich. Now, we use the term critical mass to define that point in time where you have acquired enough real estate that you're now going to turn your emphasis of your portfolio into cash flow. And for everyone, that's different. You've got to go through and do that math. And it's beyond the scope of a Today Show uh, to talk about that. But uh, certainly, it's something to be thinking about. How do we build enough equity? And when is enough? And the answer is different for everybody. So, But the cash flow is crucial. So make sure you understand the cash flow when you get into a property and make sure that you understand the numbers on the street level. Don't just take a pro forma, you know, the information given to you by the real estate agent. Really do your homework to make sure those cash flows are there and that the expenses also are going to be in line with your projections. The second thing I think that is a crucial basic is to understand uh, the importance of cash reserves. Yeah. You have to have money set aside for a rainy day, repairs, vacancy, tenant turnover, all the things that can happen to you. There's a reason your lender requires cash reserves when you close, meaning I can't take all of my available cash and put it as down payment on the property. I have to have something left over just in case. I may have a great tenant. I may have a great property. I might have bought something brand new with a 10-year builder warranty. Still, things can go wrong. And so having the cash reserves allows you to not make crazy, irrational decisions based on the fact that you don't have any money. It's no fun to be desperate. We had a friend who used to tell us that profit was like food. You could live for quite a while without food, but revenue was like water. You, could, you couldn't last, you know, you needed to have water. Yeah, right. exactly. But, but he said cash is like oxygen. You run out of cash and you don't live very long at all. 
And that was just such a great way to think about your business. And so we use this term cash flow controls the mortgages and controls the properties over time and lets the things that need to happen happen, which is uh, long-term appreciation, amortization, you know, tax benefits, all the things we look for in real estate, and reserves preserve. And the idea is that you have to figure out what is the right amount of reserves for you. Now, if you have just a single property, you're either 100% full, 100% vacant, and as a percentage of your income, a even a roof or a you know, a major repair would, would take a large percentage of your money, then you have to have actually more reserves in terms of percentage of your portfolio yep. than a guy that's got 10,000 units because the chances of him being 100% vacant are almost nil. And, and the chances of, based on those amounts of cash flows that everything is going to need to be repaired at the same time are well, very small. And this even makes sense on a small, this would be 10,000 units. As soon as you have four properties, you don't need to have four times the reserves because reserves are rainy day funds. And the chances are once you have four properties, you can maybe decrease your reserves by 10 or, or 20% because you're going to have operating history on the property, et cetera. But do not run thin on reserves. This is what really cost people in the last couple of years is they didn't have proper reserves and with everything that happened, and sometimes it was so much that even reserves got got depleted quickly, but a lot of folks could have weathered the storm better if they had only had better cash reserves. I mean, the big lesson was people who were using things like uh, equity lines of credit and they were expecting to have high liquidity of equity or they'd put their money in places that all of a sudden they couldn't get it back out again. And that was what they were counting on for their reserves. I think one of the lessons that a lot of folks that have come through the last few years and watched the entire mortgage industry change on them overnight, uh, they've realized that credit is not cash. <laughs> and you can't always count on it being there, whereas cash you can. So when it comes to reserves, it's cash, not credit. We're talking about getting started in real estate investing for the first, second, or third, or fourth time. When we come back, we're going to play real estate trivia I give you a chance to give you another great resource, which is our book, Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate. That might be yours when we come back. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys Radio Network. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Banks are taking back lots of property these days, and they want to get rid of them fast. To do that, they sell them cheap. That's the good news. But they can't afford to sell you one at a time. That's the bad news. Now, here's the great news. You can get plugged into a steady source of affordable fixer-uppers to feed your real estate investing business without having to buy them by the dozen. Get a copy of the free report, Buying Value, Profiting from Distressed REO Properties. Send an email to wholesale at realestateguysradio.com or call our resource hotline at 888-510-6838, extension 105. Get plugged into bargain properties all over the U.S. Call 888-510-6838, extension 105, or email wholesale at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Bob Helms. They call me the godfather of real estate mostly because I've been investing longer than the average Joe, since 1957 to be exact. Back when I started out, investing was pretty simple. Even so, I made more than my fair share of mistakes. And I can't imagine getting into this game today without some help. That's why I'm inviting you to check out the Real Estate Guys Investor Mentoring Club. There are three locations to choose from, Silicon Valley, Los Angeles, and Dallas, Texas. To find out when and where, just send an email to guys at realestateguysradio.com or use the feedback page on the website at realestateguysradio.com. Tell them the Godfather sent you. Hi, this is Peter Schiff, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. Great to have you here. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast or just come back every week uh, to our site and listen to the show. Or if you happen to be in a market where we're on the radio, set your dial. It's uh, great to have uh, you with us. We're talking about getting started in real estate investing. Seems like we got to have this topic, uh, you know, 13 and a half years into the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, the, the idea is one of my favorite. I, I love football. My, it's one of my favorite sports, probably my favorite sport. And, and uh, Vince Lombardi, who's a classic icon in football, uh, coached the Green Bay Packers early, very early uh, in the 60s, and uh, they won the first two Super Bowls. And he would win a world championship, and then he would get his team together. And he, here's these guys, you know, that are the professionals, the highest level of their chosen uh, vocation, and they had just won the world championship, best in the world. And he would sit them down, and he would, he would hold up a football, and he would say, gentlemen, this is a football. 
And there's such a great lesson in that because you can't ever get away from the basics, managing your emotions, you know, managing your cash flows, managing your risk and all the things we've been talking about. It's very important to go back in the beginning of the year is a great time to do that. This transition point where you can look back on the last 12 months and go, what worked, what didn't work, knowing what I know now, what would I have done differently? Uh, who can I go talk to who has other experiences outside of my realm and get that same feedback from them? And then going forward, what do I want to do? But I'm going to build on a foundation of fundamentals and I'm going to do those right. Well, if you are a new listener, then what you may not know is every show we play real estate trivia. That's right. Your chance to win a prize by knowing today's real estate trivia question. The question is going to have something to do uh, with real estate. As soon as you hear the question and know the answer, send us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name and mailing address because if you're the winner, we're going to send you an autographed copy of Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate. And uh, we give one to the first person with the right answer. So right out of the gate, usually a radio listener. And then we take all the correct guesses for the week and have a drawing for a second book. That way, if you're listening on our site or you download the MP3 or you subscribe to iTunes and the podcast, then you still have a chance to win. So before we cover this week's trivia question, last week on the show, we were talking about uh, winding the year down and the checklist of things you had to go through at the end of the year. Here was our trivia question. Name the only state capital whose name is made up of three words. This was a great one. Russell goes, oh, that's really hard. And then in about 10 seconds, he came up with the answer. And that's a perfect real estate trivia question. Of course, the answer? Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City, Utah, the only state capital in the U.S. whose name is uh, three words. This week, we're talking about kind of breaking it down, starting over, scratching the old. And so uh, Russ came up with a great uh, trivia question. Long before uh, the United States had a constitution, it had something else. Yeah, we had the Articles of Confederation. And one day, our forefathers woke up and said, we got to scrap that plan and we're going to start over. And they held something called the Constitutional Convention. Here's our trivia question. Where was it held? What large piece of real estate was home to the Constitutional Convention? If you know that answer or you want to guess, send it to us at trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. And you could be the proud owner of Equity Happens. We're talking about getting started in real estate, whether it's your first time or your second time around or even beyond that, and uh, talking about some of the basics. Another basic, and this may be something that you don't hear, This, uh, if you've got some experience that has maybe not turned out right for you in a marketplace, this, this could be gold right here, ladies and gentlemen. That's market selection before property selection. This is a huge topic. For whatever reason, most real estate investors seem to focus first on the property and then try to figure out the marketplace. Well, I mean, the reason that's true is because most people in the real estate profession are transactionally uh, motivated. They're, they want to make a deal. And the thing is, when a novice gets involved in the business, they don't understand all the things that have gone on before you get to the deal point. So they jump right to the deal. It's like, okay, I want to find a deal. I want to find a deal. And so you hear, or like earlier in the show, you got to do the math, and the math will tell you what to do. And you want to look for certain financial results. And so you see a property. It looks like it'll produce a certain financial result, which is interesting. But you've got to understand what's propping that that property up. And what's propping that property up is the market that it's in. It's and way more important for you to choose the right market than it is the property. I'm way more interested in what moves a marketplace. What are the sustainable drivers? What industry is there? What's happening to net migration, positive or negative? Are more people moving in? Are more people leaving? Are there jobs? Are there new jobs? Are there sustainable jobs? Is there growth? What's going on in the local economy? This is huge, and it's way more important than any specific property. And this could be one of the largest mistakes that people make when they're starting out is to focus on the house, the apartment building, the strip mall. Instead, start with the market. Now, you have a uh, blank canvas of real estate across the world, and uh, somewhere as you're developing your personal investment philosophy, you're going to figure out how close to home does it need to be. And the more limited you are in your thinking there, meaning that I'm only going to invest in my own home city or home county or home state, then the less opportunity there is for you. At the same time, it's easy to get confused and overwhelmed when you're looking at 23 different markets. Uh, you, you really can't. What you need to do is pick a couple of markets and do the legwork and the homework to figure out what are the drivers there? Why is this market interesting? Is it trending in the right direction? What are the keys I need to, to be excited about where the market is headed once you've got that figured out, now your mission is to find the sub-market and then the property. Because in any market, you can't just say, well, San Francisco is a great investment market or Florida, there's a great market for you <laughs> or I like 
Europe. Yeah, right. Europe makes a great <laughs> investment. No, you have to look way deeper than that to find the sub-markets. We just got back from a great uh, field trip to Dallas, Texas. And Dallas is a wonderful market, but there are parts of Dallas that I wouldn't go near as a real estate investor. And there's lots of investment property in Dallas that will cost you a fortune to own. And so you need to, once you see what the drivers are on the marketplace, pick the right real estate within that. You know, the the market uh, is such an important thing. I, I, I liken it like this. If you can imagine a bunch of ships out sitting at high tide. And then when the tide rolls out, meaning the, the economy softens a little bit, some of those ships have pillars underneath them, and some of them don't. And the ships that don't are going to sink further than the ships that have pillars underneath them. So these are you know what you'd call drivers. The more pillars that are underneath the more that that anything really in that market is is going to survive better. I mean, you know, even though there's going to be some things that'll do better and some things that'll do worse, but, you know, just pick a market that's been kind of the very difficult poster child for difficult market uh, has been Detroit. Detroit has been a very difficult market. And because a lot of the major industry has been very distressed there, one of the major drivers that made that market go has really not done well. And as a result of that, pretty much everything in that market has not done well. I mean, the super, the silver dome, the, the football stadium sold for less than six hundred thousand yeah. dollars. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. That's a huge piece of land. So it just it just gives you an idea how important it is to pick the market first. But you can get diversification inside of a market, especially if it's a big market, because you can do different product types, different neighborhoods, high end, low end, and still be the beneficiary of economies of scale and the work you did to discover the market itself. You know, you like football so much. A few weeks back when uh, the uh, Vikings stadium had the, right. the roof fall in, I thought the Silverdome would have been a great, it's sitting there empty, right? <laughs> uh, we, we talked about that in a Halloween Horror Stories. Interesting story about someone who acquired that land, and hopefully they'll be successful with it, but a better fit within their investment philosophy. So this is huge, understanding how the market makes sense is much more important than uh, property selection. Now, once you've figured out the marketplace, well, then you got to get keen on the property. What is the type of property you're going to feel comfortable in? Is it an A-class property, meaning beautiful, well taken care of, great amenities, and not as great cash flow? Or do you like the ugly stuff that's in the tougher neighborhoods that needs a lot of work? There is no wrong or right answer. There are ways to make money in all these marketplaces. You could make money in Detroit right now if you did the right thing. But the general consensus is that's a market that people are fleeing, therefore it's much more difficult. Where are the jobs going is what I would want to know, right? Where are the markets that are adding jobs? Where are the markets where the economy is robust? Where are the markets that haven't felt the recession? There were a lot of markets that went way up and then came way down. There's a lot of markets that didn't. And so obviously this is way beyond the scope of a, a one-hour radio show, but you got to be thinking about this. Don't let your decision be driven by a property. Make sure you understand the market. Remember, I had a guy come up to me at a class, and he was all proud that he just bought his first property. And I asked what I usually ask, oh, where is it? And they told me the name of the city, and it just happened that two weeks earlier, the list of the uh, MSAs, Metropolitan Statistical Areas, across the U.S. came out. And this was the very worst-performing metro in the United States, the worst market it could be. And I thought, wow, what an interesting market. Why did you pick that? Expecting him to have some contrarian view right. or say, you know, hey, it's the, you can't go any lower. Instead, here was his answer. Well, you know, I, I know a guy who, uh, who knew a guy who had some properties for sale. Right. All right, so knowing a guy who knows a guy might work out for you because relationships are important, but it's not enough of a reason to make your decision. You be the captain of your ship and pick the market that you want to invest in. Right. I think I think part of that is, you know, you might be saying, well, how do I do that? I mean, how do I really do that? Well, once you've figured out the market that you're interested in kind of from the macro level, the next thing you want to do is get in there and begin to work with a team. Well, that's my next bullet point is exactly that, is that if you're getting back to the basics, number four here is you have to get a team. You right. cannot be a maverick in real estate and be successful uh, over the long haul. You've got to get better, smarter, more prolific, more experienced people around you to help you get into these investments. Well, the right team will be educators first. You know, the people that work with us, the people that we have involved in the different things that we do, we, we sit them down and we have a conversation. And that conversation is, uh, look, uh, we understand that you want to do deals, you want to do business, you're a business person. We understand that. But he- here's the way it works. You educate first. And so a- as an investor going into a new market and building a team, I want people that are willing to invest in me. I'm going to invest in them. I want them to invest in me. There's going to be a long-term relationship. I need to understand. So if a guy is active in 
the apartment market. I want him to teach me about the market and the sub-markets. What do the numbers look like? Where are the good areas? What are the trends? A guy that lives in that space is going to know. The guy that's doing single family, the guy that's doing low end, the guy that's doing high end, if I can interview a developer. I mean, one of the things I love about what we do, Robert, is just the fact that being in the radio business, we're able to go and interview these people and learn all kinds of interesting things, and they share with us openly. You want to have team members that are willing to share with you to help you begin to learn the product type so you can match that up to your personal investment philosophy and go, hey, what kind of product types in this market that I've already decided looks pretty good is going to do produce the financial result that I'm most interested in? All right. There's lots of other members on your team. When we come back, we're going to talk about them, and uh, you're going to assemble a great team moving forward. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys Radio Network. We're talking about getting started in real estate investing. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. Are you upside down in your home or investment property? Would you like to refinance but can't? Are you tired of dipping into your savings or credit cards just to make the mortgage payments? If you read the newspapers, you know you're not alone. But is the government going to save you? Don't count on it. If you want to take charge of your own personal bailout program, then you need to find out which loan workout options are available to you. To help you, the Real Estate Guys have written an 18-page report, What You Must Know Before Attempting a Loan Workout. Best of all, you can have it for free. How's that for economic stimulus? To get yours, simply email your request to workout at realestateguysradio.com. That's workout at realestateguysradio.com. Hope is not a strategy. If you need help with problem mortgages, read What You Must Know Before Attempting a Loan Workout. Knowledge is power. Send your request to workout at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, I'm Steve Forbes. You're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Listen up. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program heard every week on this radio station and all the time at realestateguysradio.com. If you are a new listener, you can go to our website and listen to the last few shows. You can catch up, if you will. And uh, we'd love to uh, be part of the resources that you have available in terms of education. We're not the end-all, be-all. We're uh, in the category of always and continuously learning that we talked about. But uh, we certainly are able to get some great guests on the program who uh, can help you with your thinking, with your strategies, and even with some resources. Uh, and so getting started uh, is important. Let's talk about uh, this team uh, concept a little further. It's one of the most important concepts in real estate. And it's not just your local team in a marketplace. They're important, but there's a lot more team members than that. Yeah, I mean, clearly there are. I mean, you've got the people that are going to be near you. These are the people that are going to help you with your taxes and your asset protection and your estate planning. To a degree, some types of your insurance, some of your insurance is going to be in the local market because insurance brokers are typically licensed by state. And so if you're investing across state lines, you may have to have other people on your team with respect to property insurance. Uh, you're going to have your uh, attorneys that are going to be local to the market, and, and, and but probably the center point, the first person to really work with. Most people go after the real estate agent first. Uh, we like going after the property manager because it, going back to the earlier comment about how important cash flow is, if you're investing for the long term and your goal is to accumulate lots of mortgages that control lots of properties and you're going to aggregate lots of rental income to control everything, well, it builds your balance sheet uh, and turns into a big cash flow down the road, then the person who's really going to make all that happen for you is going to be your property manager. And they know more at a tactical level about what the market wants, what amenities you might be able to put in. So even if you're a flipper, a good property manager will say, hey, you know what? If you put in a dishwasher, if you put in a, a washer and dryer, or if you put in a fence or a carport or an air conditioning unit or make this change, uh, I can get X amount more rent. When you understand the math behind X amount of more rent and the multiples involved, uh, it's not difficult to recoup your investment, even on a flip, and certainly over the long haul. Uh, so the property manager is the first person. And, of course, when you find a great person, that person then opens up their Rolodex and introduces you to their network. You know the old saying, birds of a feather flock together. You, you find a good guy in a marketplace, normally he's going to be your gateway person into many, many other relationships to help you build that team quickly, and they already know how to work together, which is another very important point. Now, also be pre prepared to kiss a lot of frogs. Yeah. I, I, don't, I cannot think of a single market that I'm in that my current property manager was my first property manager. So if you just pick a property manager and then get their Rolodex... You could be in big trouble. Right. So you got to make sure you got the right person. And they're rare. They're very rare, but they're crucial. So again, our mantra is market first, 
then property manager, then property. Reason that's so crucial is that you might pick a great market and then go get a property, and then you find a property manager says, "Oh, you bought in the one worst part of town. I can't rent these things out. Look at all these are, are vacant. Right. If you had just been over here and bought this." But the real estate agent said, "Exactly. <laughs> Don't listen to the real estate agent. We love real estate agents, but when it comes to how much rent you're going to get, or the durability of the income, or who the tenants are, that's not a real estate agent question. Right. They shouldn't be expected to have that answer. That's not their world. That's the property manager's world. Now, I would think as we're, if we're talking about." first team members, I think the other crucial first team member to talk to is your financial consultant. Absolutely. This is going to the person that's going to help you figure out what your financial profile looks like right now and how you can use those resources to get into the types of loans that you need because leverage is huge in real estate. The two people that are going to be closest to you on a financial basis are going to be your tax advisor and your mortgage professional. Your mortgage professional is going to need to keep you abreast of what types of loan programs are out there that you qualify for. What types of properties will offer you the best opportunities for favorable interest rate, favorable leverage ratios, uh, the opportunity to optimize down the road and move equity back out again if you can. And uh, it's very much a fluid platform right now. And the other thing is, a big part of it is not just how do I take a loan application and how do I push this thing through, but how do I manage my equity portfolio and my cash flow portfolio to produce the financial results I'm after? And so a financial strategist, and I'll tell you, talk about having to kiss a lot of frogs. You know, same thing with the property manager. You're going to have to do that with a lot of mortgage people to find someone who really understands equity management, cash flow management, uh, who understands how to look strategically. And the ideal thing is somebody that's an investor themselves. With all the team members, you want someone who, first and foremost, is a real estate investor themselves. With your tax professional, with your attorney, with your property manager, all those folks are going to have a much better understanding in the real world about how property works if they own some of it. You wouldn't buy a Ford from a guy that drives a Chevy. Make sure that you're investing your time and resources with a team that does the same thing and are really in this game. And the other thing about working with your financial professionals as as things change and as you change as an investor, they can change with you. Now, many loan people are order takers, and that's what Russ is talking about the, the you know, kissing frogs or the needle in the haystack. But when you find someone who understands it, see what's going to happen is you're going to get to a point as a real estate investor where you're no longer going to be able to qualify for the same types of loans. Your mission as an investor is going to change as you get more and more experience and properties under your belt, and your team needs to change with you. Sometimes you have to shed your team or, or some members and get new ones, but a lot of the right team members are going to be able to ride that out with you. So don't start just thinking, well, I'm going to own a house or two. What's the big picture for you? If your big picture is in 10 years, you want to own 200 units or you want to have a huge commercial property, you want to be a real estate developer or a syndicator, start with the end in mind, as Stephen Covey would say, and start getting your team assembled early because you're going to build that loyalty over time. It's one thing to say, I'm going to go into some market and get the hottest agent to spend a day with me educating me. Well, good luck. Right. You're not even going to get their phone number. It is building a relationship slowly over time. And I think as we close out this show, uh, just a couple of thoughts. First of all, this is without a doubt a relationship business. It is not a spreadsheet business. It is not a loop net business. It is not a bulletin board business. It is not who finds out where the listings are. It is a hundred percent relationship business. I, you know, I was going to say, and I'm glad you made that point because it's a, it's a very huge point with all the work that you have to do to find a market and especially all the work you have to do to find a team member. The last thing you want to do is burn that bridge. You know, you're not going to want to be in there nickel and diming the person. You're not going to want to uh, have three or four guys competing for your business. I mean, that is just not the right attitude. Your job is to build their business. You want to help them become successful. You want to see them make a lot of money and you want to index their financial result to your financial result because if every time you're getting a loan, you're accumulating wealth because you're controlling a new asset, then the guy who's doing that loan for you is an important part of your success. And so the, taking the attitude forward that I'm building goodwill, I'm building a team that is going to be with me for decades, if you have that attitude, then when a great deal comes, and believe me, these guys, this is an insider business, right? None of the good stuff shows up on the internet. It's all relationship driven. So people who are networked into their particular community are going to have access to deals and opportunities. And when the phone rings, you want them to go, wow, I love talking to this guy. Not, oh man, you know, put this one on hold or send it to voicemail or call back, you know, later. It's not just your relationship you're managing, it's your reputation. You're going to develop that quickly. If you're Louis Lowball, 
that's going to get around. If you're Sam Nickel Pincher, that's going to get around. You want to have the type of reputation where people want to do business again and again with you. Next, don't reinvent the wheel. Or as my dad likes to say, you don't have to give natural childbirth to an idea you can adopt. If something's working, you don't have to start from scratch. You can just pretty much dovetail into what other people are doing and make it work for you. It's a huge shortcut. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and when you're out there uh, talking to people about real estate and they tell you, oh, well, I tried real estate once and this horrible thing, my property manager ripped me off or whatever. Be curious. Tell me about that. I mean, tell me how that went. Tell me why that happened. Tell me how, if you knowing what you know now, what were the telltale signs and get the education because they paid full price for it and you get to get it for a discount. The idea that you can earn while you learn is huge as well. Don't think you have to invest five to 10 years in just education before you do something. Now, you don't want to jump in with both feet uh, either. And this can be on whatever basis you have. If, if real estate investing is part-time for you and you have a full-time job, you can get educated for the first year. This year comes up may not be a year of acquisition for you. It might be a year of education. On the other hand, if you want a fast track, there are ways to do that. If you're serious about getting into real estate investing, if you think you could see yourself as a full-time investor or developer, I can't think of a better thing to do than to spend eight days in a row with some of the biggest brains in real estate on our upcoming Investor Summit at Sea. In April of 2011, we're going to be sailing with some amazing folks who can collapse time frames like nobody's business. So if you're really serious, there are ways to jumpstart your business. There's a lot of things. I mean, you know, staying focused, listening to the show every week. What a great way to stay focused. Building a mastermind group like uh, Napoleon Hill talks about and Think and Grow Rich. People that are like-minded that you can brainstorm together. That's why we do the mentoring clubs. We're not everywhere, but there's clubs all over the country. Join one of those clubs. Get plugged in. Find a good one. Uh, build one if you can't find one nearby. And obviously, go to trade shows, go to events, go to seminars. And when you get a chance, like the Summit at Sea, I mean, why not take advantage of that? What a great way, what a great environment to be in fun and education at the same time. If you are just getting started in the business, a great resource is on our website at realestateguysradio.com. If you go to resources, you'll see a tab that says recommended reading. Some of our favorite uh, books uh, and shortcuts are there. We'd be honored if you read our book, Equity Happens. You can find out more on our site as well. And look at a lot of deals before you jump. Uh, as a good friend of mine used to say, opportunities are like buses. Another one's always going to come along. And so you don't have to jump at the first deal. You can get educated, but at the same time, you're not going to make any money passing on deals. Your whole mission needs to be to develop education for action and what we call effective action. So we wish you great luck in your real estate investing. Be sure to listen next week when we talk about goal setting for a new year. Thanks to our sponsors who help make our show possible, to our engineering team who help bring it to you every week. And a big thanks to you, our loyal listeners and our new listeners. We'll see you next week on The Real Estate Guys. Happy New Year. The Real Estate Guys, brought to you by Paradigm Life, helping you unleash the power of infinite banking. Learn more at bethebank.com, audible.com, the leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Go to audible.com forward slash real estate guys for your choice of a free audiobook. Suburban Residential, brand new positive cash flow houses in Dallas, Texas. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies from attorney and rich debt advisor Garrett Sutton. Texas Investor Homes. Discover high-yield, low-risk, double-digit cash-on-cash returns with interim construction funding. CDA Law Center, providers of professional assistance with loan modifications and the powerful REST Report, helping you level the playing field when negotiating with your lender. Find out about these and other fine sponsors under the Resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. Learn how you can sponsor the Real Estate Guys. Call 888-489-7723. 888-489-7723. That's 888-489-7723. Once again, 888-489-7723 or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show. If you're like me and thousands of others, you know that the Real Estate Guys Radio Show is a great source for quality content about investing in real estate. But did you know that they also have a book? I just finished reading their book, Equity Happens, and I was blown away by how much I learned. If you're ready to create sustainable wealth through real estate, you need to get Equity Happens. You'll learn, just as I did, about what it takes to prosper in the real estate industry. So don't wait. Make Equity Happen to you. Order your copy today at equityhappens.com.